Good morning. Please join me as we read responsively our call to worship, a reading titled, Waiting. Look upon us gently, Lord, for waiting is not our forte. But waiting, when we are waiting for the light to shine, when we are waiting for a word from you, when we are waiting for a wound to heal, nothing in all the world is harder than waiting. Transform our in the meantime into your time while we wait with each other, sit with each other, pray each other into hope, surrounded by your presence. Amen. Good morning. morning. Greeting. We're glad that you're here this morning and we welcome you and hope God will bless in a very special way as we worship God this morning. And I promise you, I made this promise uh, earlier today that we will be out in time for that big game that's coming up in a little bit. (laughs) But we're glad that you're here this morning and, uh, and we welcome you here. Uh, We welcome our guests, especially you're very important to us, and we hope that you feel very much a part of our family. And uh, if you're a first-time guest, we'd like to invite you to drop by our our hospitality table on the way out. We have a little gift that we would like to give to you uh, as a token of our appreciation for your visit with us this morning. We'd like to remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. And pass it down the row so others down the row can do the same. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please uh, put your email address on there. It comes out every Thursday, and it's a 
good opportunity to keep up with what's going on here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, so be sure to put your email address if you'd like to receive that. It's good to be in God's house with you um, and to share this time together. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to be the people of God. We come together for a reason, you know. We, we don't just come because it's what we do every Sunday. We come because we worship the Lord together and we express that worship of God through our love for one another. And so let me invite you to share that love with one another now as we stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. As you're taking your seat, we'd like to invite our children to come forward. Come on up, children. We have our children's moment. Miss Jeke is up here to uh, lead us in our children's moment. So come on up, children. Come on, children. school you did didn't you jerry and you you were there did you eat a donut yeah and if you didn't eat there and it was very good and we bring cereal to give away do you know where christian outreach and for miss mary to take that to the christian outreach and help with the food pantry to feed the hungry kids. And I bet you children that were not at the Fellowship Cafe did get to have breakfast, didn't you? Did you eat some breakfast cereal or something? You could have, if you wanted to. Yeah. And I bet you might have something for lunch today. Maybe. And maybe even a snack this afternoon and probably supper. But what we're going to talk about is the idea that some children do not have an opportunity to eat because they have no food. And that is all over the world. There are different children that go hungry. And even in Henderson, 
And that's what our outreach tries to help, is to provide food for hungry children. You know, you think about being all over the world. There'd be so many people, not just children, but so many people. We can't feed all of them, can we? No. No, that's too many. So why even bother? Should we even bother to feed the ones that we can? I think we should. You know, it made me think about this big jug, which has some money in it but needs some more. If we took this jug and just shook it up and began to throw money out and it got under the chairs and under the rug and in the cracks and we carried it outside and it got in the yard and in the grass and everywhere, we would have a hard time finding all of that money, wouldn't we, and getting back inside with it where it belongs And that's the kind of way it is with hungry children. We still need to find all the pennies and the money that we can and gather it up and put it back in this jug because it just, look at there, it helps we are, yes, and this right here, what you all have been putting your money in on, Sunday morning sometimes, I want to encourage you to bring a little bit of money every Sunday. Maybe in you're at the store with your mom or at a restaurant and you have some change left over, your mom would hold that back or let you go home and hold it, bring it Sunday morning and help feed the hungry children. It just takes $15 to move 75 pounds of food out to the children. a hundred pounds of food can be moved out to hungry children. There's an agency that does that on purpose to feed the children. So even though you may feel like you can't put very much money in there, when we all put in, it goes to the hungry children. The end of this month, we're going to gather up the jugs in the different Sunday school rooms and put it all together and make a donation back to uh, community outreach, and we are also helping an orphanage in Haiti, and that will help them provide food for those little children in the orphanage. Would you like to be part of that and know that you are helping to feed some hungry children? I think we all need to be part of that. We will have this available for even the adults after church today. Thank you. Bring your money. Did did you have some today that you wanted to put in? Okay. It's getting heavy. Whoa.
God's Word, the first book, Genesis, is our scripture reading for today. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face. God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And then skipping to the 15th verse. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai. But Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her.
us pray. Father, thank you for bringing us to this house of worship this morning on this beautiful spring day. We have so much to be thankful for, and we are grateful every day for your numerous blessings. Bless those who are not able to be with us today. We know in their hearts they would if they could. And bless all who are going through the trials and tribulations of daily life, because we never know what the other person is going through, and we all have our challenges. Bless these tithes and offerings to your intended use, and bless us, Lord, to your service. For in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, choir. Some of you may have uh, heard the ridiculous story about the man who was refused entry into a fancy restaurant because he wasn't wearing a necktie. The doorman sent him away with the instructions that he could return if and only if he was wearing a tie. So the man went out to his car and rummaged through his car for a while, but he couldn't find a necktie. However, he did find a pair of jumper cables. So he decided to fashion a tie from those jumper cables. He returned to the restaurant, and the doorman saw the jumper cables neatly tied around the gentleman's neck and reluctantly conceded that technically, I guess, they could serve as a necktie. And so the doorman said, well, I guess you can come in. And then he added, just don't start anything. (laughs) Bad joke, I know. But this is where we want to begin today's message. The people in history who have had the most impact on our lives are always the people who who have been determined to start something. Nearly 2,000 years, even before the time of Jesus, God came to a man named Abram and to his wife named Sarai and gave them a command and also a promise They were commanded to go from the land of their ancestors, to go from the place that they had been raised, to a land that they knew not of, is how the Bible puts it. They didn't know where they were going. God would show them. That was the command. And then God promised them that their descendants would become a great nation. And then we read one of the most important statements in all of literature. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now, did I mention that Abram was already 75 years old when God first approached him and and told these things to him? And yet, with God's leading, Abram and Sarai started something new. A new people, a new nation. And this is what faith is all about. God speaks and we obey. God speaks and we get into action. And you know, sometimes that's all that's needed. Sometimes our biggest obstacle is our own lethargy or perhaps our our fear. We simply need to, to get going, to do something in faith. Stepping out in faith, taking the risk to do something. I read about a man named Henry Brown. Some of you may have heard about this this man if you're a history buff. Henry Brown was a slave in Richmond, Virginia. But he decided that he didn't want to be a slave any longer. But, but runaway slaves could be hung, and that's a, that's a pretty good incentive for doing nothing. But doing nothing was not an option for Henry. He was determined to be free. So what he did is he found a a wooden crate just large enough for him to to crawl inside. And he postmarked that crate 
to an abolitionist in Philadelphia, which was a, a free territory. He got inside the crate and sealed it from the inside and mailed himself to freedom. When the abolitionist lifted the lid on the crate, Henry stood up and said, How do you do, sir? My name is Henry Brown, and I was a slave. I heard about you being an abolitionist, so I'm trusting my life to you. My friends, sometimes what is most important is simply to get moving, to do something. God speaks, and we act. Now, today's lesson takes place about 25 years after God first called Abram and Sarai. At this point, Abram is about 99 years old. So you, you see, I guess you could say that he's no spring chicken. Neither is Sarai. They have followed the Lord's leading from the, the time the Lord first called them, but the Lord has been very slow in rewarding their faith. Abram and, and Sarai are still without children. So, so how can they become the parents of a great nation when they can't even produce a single child? Well, that's faith too. Patience. Persistence. Trust. After all of this time, surely Abram and Sarai were, were just about ready to give up. Surely they were pretty discouraged by now. Nearly 25 years had gone by since the Lord had, had first made this promise, and there was no return on their investment so far. And so I'm sure that, there were, that they were tempted to wonder, when is it time just to cut your losses? When do you say it, 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 it all must have been just an illusion? That could have been their attitude. But instead, they decided to trust in God, even after all of that time. And so the Lord appeared to Abram again. And the first thing that, that the Lord does is to reaffirm the promise that he had made to him 25 years before. I will make you very fruitful, he says, and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And then God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means a father of nations. And Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. And of course, God kept God's promise at, at the age of, of 90 years old. Now, imagine this, folks. 90 years old. Sarah bore a son. And from that son came countless heirs, both physical and spiritual heirs, which include you and I. And those descendants have impacted the world in a mighty way. It's an amazing story, really. And I think there are some lessons that, that we can glean from this story of Abraham and Sarah that, that you and I need to see today. And the first lesson that we need to see is that our timetable may not be God's timetable. I know you've heard that before, and it may sound a little trite and cliche, but folks, it's the truth. Our timetable may not be God's timetable. As someone has said, God's promises delayed are not God's promises denied. Dr. Ray Pritchard 
gives a, a humorous chronology of the 25 years between the time when God first gave Abraham and Sarah the promise of, of children and between that time and the time when that promise was finally fulfilled. Here's how it goes. At the age of 76, Abram, Abraham buys a crib. At the age of 78, they make a list of possible boy names. At the age of 80, they order a supply of superabsorbent pampers. At age 85, Abraham goes hunting while Sarah's friends give her a baby shower. At age 86, they put up wallpaper on the baby, in the baby's bedroom. At age 90, they subscribe to New Parent magazine. At age 93, Abraham and Sarah start Lamaze classes. At age 96, Abraham drives a practice run to the hospital. At age 98, he packs the suitcase and puts it by the tent door. And then at age 99, Abraham scratches his head and says, I wonder if God was just kidding. What would you have thought? What would you have thought had you been in their shoes? I think I would have probably decided that God was just kidding. But I'm not Abraham. I'm not as patient as he and Sarah were, and I, and I suspect that you aren't either. I read recently about a lawsuit in India which was filed in the year 1205. 1205. A man named Maloji Thorat filed this lawsuit. But here's what's remarkable about it. The lawsuit was filed in the year 1205. But it wasn't settled until 1966. 761 years later. Of course, Maloji didn't see any of the benefit from that, but his descendants saw a little, an undisclosed amount of money. But that's a long time to wait for justice, isn't it? 761 years. Abraham and Sarah only had to wait 25 years. But, you know, I'll just bet that that was a test of their faith, and, and it's a test that many of us would have failed. The fact is that none of us like waiting. We're not very good at it. We are an impatient people. Even with, even with God, we're impatient. And yet, God is always faithful to keep God's promises to us. Our timetable time just may not be the same as God's. But there's a second thing that we can learn from this story of Abraham and Sarah. And here it is. God's purposes are greater than we can ever imagine. God's purposes are greater than we can ever imagine. Abraham and Sarah had dreams for their lives, just like you and I have dreams for our lives. Their dreams were about where they would live, what kind of work they would do. They dreamed about children and grandchildren. And that's a dream that they, they nearly missed out on, but they still dreamed. But let me ask you something. Do you think that ever in a million years they dreamed that we would be sitting here at Community Baptist Church, 4,000 years later, talking about their lives? 
Do you think they ever that ever entered their mind? And not only that, but do you think that they ever imagined that more than a billion Christians and nearly as many Jews and Muslims would also be telling their story all over the world? You see, they, they couldn't see that, that their lives were a part of a greater purpose that only God could see. For it was through this elderly couple's lives that God has blessed the entire world in a unique and eternal way. The problem is that, that you and I think too small. We do. If we could only imagine what, what God can do with our lives, the sky would be the limit. And of course, Abram and, and Sarai never saw the, the great descendants. They only saw the, the one. But through the years, God used that one descendant, or those two descendants actually, to create great nations. Sometimes we don't know what God is going to do down the line. God has that keen insight that we don't have. But sometimes we don't know what God is going to do down the line from something small that we may do today. Let me give you an example of how God works in small ways to do great things. Way back in 1858, there was a Sunday school teacher much like the Sunday school teachers that we have here in our church. He, he was in Chicago. His name was Ezra Kimball. And he became interested in the spiritual welfare of a young shoe clerk. And so Ezra nervously started down towards Holton Shoe Store, where this young shoe clerk worked. And, and after walking by that shoe store, he was really nervous. So he walked by several times trying to muster up the courage to go inside. And he, 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 he found the young man back in the stockroom, and Kimball proceeded to talk with him about his faith. The shoe clerk that Kimball showed such interest in was a man named Dwight L. Moody. Kimball got through to Moody that day, and Moody gave his life to Jesus. Moody went on to become the greatest Christian evangelist of his day. But this is just the beginning of what God would do through that lowly Sunday school teacher. For you see, Dwight L. Moody went on to, to preach a crusade in England. And in 1879, he awakened the heart of a pastor of a small church there named Frederick B. Meyer. And Meyer went on to become a renowned theologian. In fact, later, Meyer was preaching in Moody School in Northfield, Massachusetts, when a young man in the back row heard Meyer proclaim, if you are not willing to give up everything for Jesus, are you willing to be made willing? Well, those words transformed the life and ministry of another young man named J. Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman became a YMCA worker. And among the people who Chapman recruited to help him in his ministry was a former professional baseball player. His name was Billy Sunday. Of course, Billy Sunday went on to become the greatest evangelist of his generation. 
Then later at a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, Billy Sunday so excited a, a group of local men that they, they began an ongoing prayer group. They would meet every week to pray. And later they engaged an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to come to Charlotte to keep that revival spirit going. And in that revival with Mordecai Ham, a young man heard the gospel and made a profession of faith. His name? Billy Graham. Now, I want you to think about all that. Do you think... That that nervous Sunday school teacher over 150 years ago, while trying to get up the courage to share his faith with a young shoe clerk. Do you think he had any idea that that one simple action would one day touch the lives of millions and millions of people through Dwight L. Moody and Frederick Meyer and Wilbur Chapman and Billy Sunday and Mordecai Ham and Billy Graham and all of those other people who have been touched by these these men's ministries? My friends, our problem is that we think too small. God has imagined greater things for your life than than you can ever envision if we will just trust in God. God's timetable may not be our timetable, but God's purposes are greater than anything we can ever imagine. There's one more thing that we need to see. And here it is. It is in trusting God that our lives find its greatest fulfillment. My friends, following Jesus is is not just about building the kingdom. It is that. But it's also about discovering the abundant life for ourselves. Some of you will remember a man who once had an enormous impact on American television. His name was Bishop Fulton Sheen, a Catholic bishop. Sheen was known for his preaching and and especially for his work in radio and, and TV. And at one point, his nationally syndicated television program drew as many as 30 million viewers, making it one of the most popular TV programs on the air. How did Sheen get to where he did? Well, The turning point in Sheen's life happened just after he graduated from college. You see, a national examination was given to college students, and the prize was a three-year university scholarship. And so Sheen took this exam and, and won one of those scholarships. He immediately went to see his friend and mentor, Father William Bergen. Father Bergen was playing tennis at the, at the moment when he arrived. And so with great excitement, Sheen announced, Father Bergen, I won the scholarship. I won the scholarship. Well, Father Bergen turned from his tennis game. He put his hands on Sheen's shoulders and looked him straight in the eye and asked, Fulton, do you believe in God? And young Fulton replied, you, you know that I do. And so Father Bergen said, I mean practically. Not from a theoretical point of view. And, and, and this time Sheen said, I, I think so. I hope so. And then Father, Father Bergen declared, then tear up that scholarship. Tear it up. 
Father Bergen. Sheen protested. This scholarship entitles me to three years of university study. All expenses paid. It's worth more than $10,000, which was a, a whole lot of money back in those days. But Bergen said, you know you have a vocation, son. You should be going to seminary. But she said, I can go to seminary after I get my Ph.D. because there will be little chance of getting a Ph.D. after I'm ordained. And, and I'd like to have that good education. And so Bergen repeated, tear up that scholarship and go to seminary. That's what the Lord wants you to do. And if you do it, trusting in him, you will receive a far better education after you are ordained than before. Listen to how Fulton describes that turning point in his life. He said, I tore up that scholarship and I went to seminary. And I've never regretted that visit nor that decision. Folks, what I'm saying to you is this. When you follow the leadership of God, you not only play a part in God's great and wonderful plan for all of creation, but you're also finding a, the most fulfilling life that you could possibly have for yourself. Abraham and Sarah obeyed God. They did as God commanded, and God rewarded them far beyond their wildest dreams. Maybe not as quickly as they might have hoped, but God rewarded them beyond anything that they could ever possibly imagine. They became a blessing to the entire world. They had a rich and fulfilling life. And so can you, my friends. So can you. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's the invitation we have for you this morning. And we invite you to make a commitment to Jesus Christ if you've never done that before. We invite you to express your faith in God today. And well, let me tell you something. Faith, as we've been talking today, means taking action. It means taking a step like Abraham and Sarah did when God asked them to leave their, the comfort of their land that they had been all of their lives and to step out in faith and do something new. That's what faith's all about. And God may be urging you today to step out and to do something new, to take that step of faith. Not knowing exactly where it's going to lead, but trusting that if you follow God, it's going to be a good place. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, I hope you'll do that today. Maybe today is a day for you to step out in faith and unite with our church. Be a part of us as we seek to minister and 
be this little corner of the kingdom of God and try to expand the kingdom of God in our community. Maybe you just need a time of prayer. Maybe you're waiting on something and it's harder and harder. You need a little encouragement. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Thank you for your presence with us today. Uh, there is one matter of business I need to take care of, and it's a wonderful uh, matter of business, and that is a young man who is not standing here. I think he's up with the, uh, the children, up with, the, uh, with, with Kirk. Um, but Colton Hartsfield has come to me wanting to make a profession of faith. He has made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and he wants to come and unite with our church through baptism. And so, uh, of course, his mom, Stephanie, was just baptized just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's kind of a domino effect, you know, and, and uh, it's a wonderful domino effect. And uh, so Colton has professed his faith in Christ. He has accepted uh, Jesus as his Savior. He is committed to follow in the ways of Christ for the rest of his days. And he wants to be a part of this church and a part of the family of God and so I hope that you'll join me in welcoming him uh, into, our, into the faith and into our church by raising your hand and saying amen. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, a few announcements I have. 
First of all, thanks men's class for a wonderful breakfast today. You outdid yourself at Fellowship Cafe. That was a wonderful time, so thank you for that. Uh, Saturday, we have the Runway Red. Um, and uh, that's a, a wonderful, uh, adventurous time, a, a great time. If you would like tickets for Runway Red, you can see Brittany Blandford or Jika Crafton. They have tickets available. And uh, you still need volunteers, Brittany? If you uh, still need some volunteers, so if you would like to volunteer to help, please see Brittany, and, um, and she'll be glad to put you to work. Uh, we are still signing up for our Extreme Build mission trip this summer from June the 10th through the 16th. There's a sign-up sheet back there. And we will be going to uh, uh, Piney Knot, uh, Kentucky. And in one week's time, we'll be building a house there. And, uh, and we'll, when we get there, there will be a foundation. But uh, when we leave on Saturday, there will be a house, and we'll give the keys to the new owners there. And so if you'd like to be a part of that wonderful ministry, just sign up uh, back there. Uh, the cost is only your motel room. Uh, we will cover the rest of everything, um, but that will be a, a wonderful, wonderful week. So please sign up and join us for that. We've got a number of folks. Easter Fest is coming up on March the 31st uh, here at our church uh, for our children. It's a wonderful um, children's activity. And our praise band will be singing next Sunday, so uh, we, we're trying to get them involved in, in singing at, at least once a month, and they'll be here next, next Sunday. And one more thing, some of you received this through, my, my, uh, through our email newsletter. We had a, a special newsletter that went out on uh, Friday, I believe it was. Um, we're looking for volunteers. Uh, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had some bad, bad storms that came through here, and there's a member of our community lives down uh, near Kennergy, who, where uh, re- they had really bad winds down there. His trailer was blown off of its foundation, and the trailer is demolished. He had no insurance. And basically what he needs is help demolishing his trailer, just taking it apart, uh, which is a big job. Um, we're trying to get up as many volunteers, not only from our church, but from others as well, to help with that. If you would like to help demolish this trailer, let me know, okay? Just let me know, and we'll get you on the list. We'll probably will be doing that next week, uh, probably on Saturday. So uh, it is a real need here, and uh, if you could help fulfill that need, that would be a wonderful ministry here. Let us bow for our benediction. O God of Abraham and Sarah, maker of an everlasting covenant, May all who seek to save their lives find abundant life in you. May your kingdom come in power to every land as you have promised. Though we recognize, O God, that that has not been fulfilled in its entirety. And there's yet much work to be done. And so we wait. We wait not as those who wait for an appointment. Rather, we wait with a purpose. And we work as we wait for that purpose to be accomplished. As we wait, O God, for the coming of Your kingdom, renew our faith, restore our hope, and revive our love. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.